Shalom. You are listening to The Set Voice by Pastor Randolph Ajay. This podcast will help you clearly identify God's voice in this season of uncertainty by solidifying your walk with Christ. And now, let's hear the word of God for today. I told you already that in the farm, now you hardly find this. The best places you can find this is in the villages, in, in the hinterlands, in the farms. So now, in our modern world, tractors are doing the job of oxes. That is why you don't see too many oxes. But back in the days, those old days, you know, the ox was one of the most precious animals. As a matter of fact, the ox was considered the king of the domestic animals. Because, you know, back in those days, the dog was not man's best companion. The ox was man's best companion and the transition for things like oxes to camels because the ox was one of the animals that made man the biggest money. If they measured a man's wealth, they measured it by things like how many oxen he owns and things like that. So we said from yoked, we said that one of the ways that they trained the baby ox was to tie the baby ox together with the older one. They yoke them together. So when we say yoke, we are not talking about the thing in an egg. Okay? We're not talking about the thing in an egg. It's just a farm terminology where they tied two oxes together. And what they tied the oxes together to do is to plow. Okay? So now, what then is plowing? Plowing, anytime they had to first and foremost go through that period where we call planting. So the time they come to the place called harvesting they would use the oxes to break the ground, okay? So what they do is that they put something behind the ox. It could be a cart. It could be whatever. And what happens is that as the oxes are moving, the land is being plowed. So what happens is that the oxes, when they move, they've put in something like a tractor or something at their back that breaks the land and turns the land upside down. So let's say in a land where the soil is very hard, they break it, they turn it around, and what happens is that it makes it easier for the farmers to plant because they've kind of broken the soil and they've turned around that soil. So when it happens like that, the farmers just go in rows and they put the seeds there and they plant as the oxes are going ahead and they are plowing. Now, after they've plowed the land, another way they were doing is that they would not put something behind the oxes, which has water, and then as the oxes move, it waters the place. So the ox was that olden day tractor. Now, because of technology, they've replaced tractors with oxes with tractors. But in the olden days, the oxes were together. There was something at their back. And as they were ridden along the farmlands, this thing would break the land, turn the soil around, and make the soil, you know, put it in that kind of capacity where they can be able to plant. And that is why they said that where there are oxes or where there is oxen, there is certainly much increase. Let's look at Proverbs 14.4. Proverbs, the chapter number 14, the verse number 4. The Bible says that where no, where no oxen are, the rough is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. So the ox was noted for its strength. Now you can just imagine the thing they are replacing the ox with now is tractors. Have you seen how tractors, who, have seen a tra- who, has, who, who has seen a tractor before? Have you seen what a massive machine a tractor is? Now imagine the ox is doing the work of tractors. 
it tells you what kind of strong, formidable animals these animals were. And we say that when this year we are talking about the year of the ox, you know, because of the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God, he's certainly going to give us speed. But the ox is not noted for its speed. Things like the eagle and things like, you know, the lion and the cheetah and the tiger could be noted for speed. But if there's anything the ox is noted for, it's the strength. Okay? So when we are saying that plow, we are talking about the dirty job. Because the ox, so over here it says that where there are no oxen, Proverbs 14, 4, it says that when there are no oxen, the rough is clean. But much strength comes or increase comes by the strength of an ox. So that means that, you see, the ox is not noted for clean job. And so he says that when there are no oxes, it's clean. But when there are oxes in the system, it brings much increase. Why? Because the ox is a workaholic. The ox is a dirty job, a dirty animal. That's not to say the ox himself is a dirty animal, but he's that kind of animal that is willing to do the dirty job. Now, I told you people that the four living creatures, the ox, the man, the eagle, and the lion, we could represent or align this or connect this to, you know, the fivefold ministry, which technically, in technicalities, is only fourfold ministry. And we said that most of the time, the ox represents what we call the evangelist because the evangelists are the people that are willing to do the dirty job. They go to the villages. They go to the hinterlands. You know, some of these pastors who drive jets will never go to a village. But that evangelist can leave everything and go to a village and do all those dirty jobs so that, you know, they will save souls. So they are concerned about the, the work nature of the ministry. But as we are treating, you know, plowing, we are not going to look at the ox from the, from the place of an evangelist. We are going to look at the ox from the place of an apostle. Because the ox is also very apostolic in nature. Now, don't forget that Jesus Christ also is an ox. Why is the ox an apost apostolic in nature? Because the apostle, number one, dares to go where nobody goes. Write these things down. The apostle dares to go where nobody goes. Number two, apostles are pioneers. They are what? Come on, they are what? They are what? So, apostles are pioneers. The word apostolos, through which we have that word apostle, means the first. It could mean the first, and it could also mean the sent one. It could mean the first, and it could also mean the sent one. So what happens is that apostles are mostly the people that would ever enter into a territory and break the ground. Most of the time, not an evangelist. Okay, so when a ground is broken, an evangelist can go there and run all the crusades and take souls. But most often, apostles are the people that pioneer the move of God. The Bible says that, you know, even the church is established upon the precepts of the apostles and the prophets. And this is because the apostles are pioneers. When we say they are pioneers, they are people that start a move. They are the people that lead a move. Now, why is the ox to some extent, you know, liking to an apostle because the apostle goes to break the ground. We said, when the ox is plowing, what is he doing? He's breaking what? 
so that there can be what? The seed sown for what? The harvest. If most of you would realize, especially those of you that have really been for me from day one, you know, and some of you that came along, you realize that I did not just start the church. One of the first things I did was I did what? I broke the ground. And how did I break the ground? It was not by starting a church. It was by marching in the city at midnight, breaking altars, setting altars, doing all of these things. Because you see, just because you've built does not mean it is going to succeed. The problem is not the building. The first work is not the building. The first job is that you have to have that apostolic nature to break the ground. Because you have to understand that everybody can build. But not everybody who has built will stand. The Bible says that whatever is of God will stand. So that means that there are things that are built that are not of God. But what we do is that we go through the land, we go through the city. Some of you, I was marching with you midnight and all of that. Before we ever even called two people together to even start a first preaching sermon, we had to pioneer and break the grounds. And that's why sometimes people will ask, ah, but how come that you've just had you know, this church for two years and you're having great success? Because they don't know the work that goes on there. They don't know the kind of things you've got to do. Apostles go into a territory and they break the ground. Now, when the ground is broken, you are ready to plant seed. When you plant the seed, you would harvest. Why? Because the ground is broken. When the ground is not broken, you are sowing the seed on a hard ground. And it's like Jesus saying that, you know, the problem of the swine says that somebody went to sow seed and the seed fell on, you know, on, on, on the road. Do you know why the birds came to eat? The seed? Because it was lying on the surface. If I throw seeds here, if it rains, it will wash them. But if I break the ground and I put seed in, no bird would find it. So that means that the more broken the ground is, the higher, you know, the, the probability that your seed is going to survive. But if you're just casting the seed for casting the sake of the seed, you know, let it rain, erosion, let the birds fly, they are going to eat it up. Are we here? Are we here? I'm going to take you time to really, we are going, one of the things, because this is the year of doing, we are going to really go through things and speak intensively about the fivefold and all of that. But the ox goes to break the ground and that is why the ox is apostolic in nature. Because apostles go into a territory and they break the ground. Remember, you know, contrary to the known notion that apostles or people who are apostles are known by how many churches they've built is a lie. You don't determine somebody's apostleship or the seal of somebody's apostleship is not determined by how many churches they've built. It is a mandate from heaven. It's either you are called to be in or not. Are you here? And the truth of the matter is that before, before, before anything could have happened, before the apostles could even plant a single church, they were still called apostles regardless because apostles are by calling. Hello? So there are some of you here, even though you are not ordained, you are apostolic people. You are called to be apostles. And you don't need to be called into the office of an apostle. You can be apostolic regardless. Okay? So this church is an apostolic church. I was having a conversation with somebody. I told them, let me be honest with you. My ministry is not nursing injuries. 
And that's the truth. There are people that are called to nurse injuries. Do you know that? There are people that are given the ministry of restoration. So when you go to these churches, you would hear things like love, peace, joy, kindness, emotional healing, da-da-da. Because people are wounded. These people, their ministry is more of a first aid ministry. Over here, we are an apostolic center. Over here, if you come here, you are in a military camp. The essence of this place is to raise people that are building and breaking. Our mandate is different. This is an apostolic center. Wherever you go to some people, they are given the ministry of healing, of restoration, of, 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 of caressing, and all of that. And it's good. That is their meeting. Because before people would transition into the place of breaking and building and entering into the place of apostolic, they have to be healed first. They have to be restored first. Because if you are already operating on the apostolic level without you being fully healed or things like that, you are going to break along the way because your emotions will catch up with you. But I don't nurse emotions. I don't know how to do it. I'm very caring, but I don't know how to do it. I don't have time to be talking about joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness. You know, it's going to be well. It's okay. Let me hug you a little bit. No. The moment you jump. And that is why... People who don't understand this ministry might struggle from the beginning. Because the moment we bring you here, we are thrown into a battlefield. Are we here? Are you here? This is the place where we are making some serious leaders in this house. This is the place that we are raising territory takers. Am I here at all? So this is not the place I'm coming to be putting bandage and be kissing you. Is that all right? There are people that are called for that. Over here, when we come here, it has got to do with dirty job. It has got to do with pioneering. It has got to do with breaking grounds. I've already told the boys, they have already started kicking off in Coventry from their bedroom. That is the apostolic job. You go into a territory, you break it. By the time, by April, we go to Hertfordshire, we break the grounds. We come to Kingston, we break the grounds. Then by the time we realize we are going to Germany, because we are an apostolic, we are pioneers. Are we here? Okay? So it's really, really important, especially for the new people here, that you understand the ministry you've gotten yourself involved in. A girl came and said, Pastor Randolph, the kind of things you talk are too deep, I'm going. I said, God bless you. I don't begrudge you. I understand. I understand. You need more of peace, joy, kissing, caressing. In this place, that's not how it is. If you even tune the camera wrongly, the eyes that will look at you, there's a high possibility you will not return the following week. Because we're in a military camp. Are we here? Friday, the choir were here all night, throughout. This is not the place you join the choir because you have a good voice. You join the choir because you can tarry. Did you hear what I said? I didn't even say tarry. The word is not even nice. I said you can tarry. Can you, can you get me here? Is that alright? This is the place where you eat 14 days fasting right about when you're about to finish I just turn and give you another 14 days. Just when you told I'm getting too lean you, I will declare 40 days for you. Because we are territory takers. Is that okay? And when you are operating in the apostolic 
the battles are intense because you are assigned to take territories. So if you look at, you know, Matthew 28, the mandate Jesus gave to the apostles was to disciple nations, to baptize people, to discipline them. The apostles are the people that are willing to enter into a territory and take people right from the mouth of the devil. They would venture where nobody would venture. And when they break the ground and the ground is broken, the pastors and the rest who are more people-oriented can come and deal because number one, the apostles have come and they've dethroned the principalities over that area. So apostles are people that dethrone what? Principalities. Hello? Not people who build churches. Okay? Somebody has built two churches. He doesn't even fast. He's called an apostle. That is an error. Say that is an error. Wonderful. So now it was very important that I set that precedent so that you understand what is called yoked because there are people that, you know, literally um, wouldn't um, um, understand the topic. So now that we understand the concept of plowing, it's breaking the ground by the ox to make it ready for planting and harvesting. So it's a pioneering movement. Now we started by talking about intimacy. Say intimacy. Are you, are you learning here? We are in the school, okay? I'm not preaching. I want to teach it. Is that all right? Wonderful. So we started with intimacy. One of the things we've established and write it down that it all starts with intimacy. Write it down. It all starts with intimacy. Number two, it is carried through by intimacy. Three things you need to know. Number one, it starts with intimacy. Number two, it is carried through by intimacy. Number three, it ends with intimacy. I'm talking about your mission in life. I'm talking about your destiny. I'm talking about your assignment. There are three things about your assignment you must know. Number one, your assignment starts with intimacy. Number two, your assignment is sustained or carried through by intimacy. Number three, your assignment ends at the place of intimacy. What it means is that when it comes to your calling, your assignment, when you lose intimacy, you lose course. Intimacy is the place where you are with God, you move with God, you end with God. There is no place in the three phases of your assignment that intimacy can be substituted. However, intimacy is not an excuse for idleness. Write this down. Intimacy is not an excuse for idleness. When you read the story of Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration, something very, very interesting happens. After Peter has seen, you know, Jesus Christ and his glory, one of the things that Jesus, Peter, tells Jesus is that, he says that, let us stay here. Let us abide on this mountain. Let us not leave. Why? Because Peter was in a realm where the cloud was. He was in a realm where the glory was. If intimacy was the end 
and there was nothing else to do, Jesus would have said, let's tabernacle. But when Peter said, let us stay here, Jesus said, we have to go down. Why? Because down at the foot of the mountain, there was work to be done. There was a man whose son was demon-possessed, throwing him into water, throwing him into fire, destroying the lives of these people. If they had remained at the top of the mountain, enjoying their divine fellowship with God, lives would have been destroyed. So in as much as they saw the glory, and they wanted to tabernacle in the glory, Peter said, let us stay here. Jesus said, we must go down. When you go the farthest high, it is an indication you must come down. The way up is down. The way down is up. And that is why the word of God says in the book of Ephesians, the chapter number four, that the one who descended is the same who ascended. Are you here? I don't know what I'm trying to say. So listen, it is spiritually and biblically an error for you to say, I am waiting on God. I am tarrying on God and just wait and tarry and wait and tarry without you descending to work. Intimacy is not an excuse for idleness. Nobody went on the top of the mountain and remained there. Moses stayed with God for 40 days. But after the 40 days, God had to send him down to his people. Because if the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and if God would reign, there have to be a group of people who have the mindset to work because increase comes by work. Advancement comes by work. You take territory not by just prayer. You don't take territory in the place of intimacy. You take territory through the culture of work. So the Bible says that much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Much increase comes by the strength of our Lord. If all we come to do is to stay here and bask in the presence of God and love the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Ghost and stay here and encounter realms of the heavenlies and if that's all there is, we are failing. And that is why when you ascend as an eagle, you must return as a lion with the mindset to possess and you don't possess without work, you become an ox. Hello? So if we want to see the world change, it's not just by us worshiping. It's not just by us praying. It is the beginning. Remember, it starts with intimacy. It's sustained by intimacy. It ends with intimacy. But intimacy in itself is not an excuse for people to be idle. Is that okay? One of the reasons why the church is taking very few territories is not because we lack people who pray. We lack people who work. We don't lack prayerful people. We lack people who has the work ethic. And that is because work ethic comes with being dirty. People don't want to sell themselves. People have a reputation to preserve. The truth of the matter is that if you're nobody, then nobody will talk about you. But if you are somebody, somebody will talk about you. People have a hard-earned reputation 
to protect. So we don't have a problem basking in the glory. The problem that we have is work. And nobody has increased a fairy tree without work. And that is why when you're talking about the realms or the levels of working, you know, with God and for God, we talk about a place of partnership. That you get to a place where God works with you. Hello? So when you're talking about plowing, we are talking about, you know, the, you know, after we have gone through that place of intimacy, God brings us to the place where he wants us to work. First Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians the chapter number 15, the verse number 58. The Bible says that, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Tell somebody, start firm. Let nothing what? Let nothing what? Let nothing what? It means that the moment you decide to work, there will be things that will try to move you. And that is why you need to be able to stand firm. Say stamina. Say stamina. And we said the ox is noted for his what? Strength. Which talks about what? Stamina. This is Paul exhorting the church of Corinth to work. And look at how he stands. He says, my dear brothers, he said, you stand firm. Because the moment you set your mind to work, you will be opposed. If, oh, listen, if some of us cared about our reputation, we would have stopped this job. Oh, trust me, I'll do an eight-hour job. Cooling, stay at my office, close at five, come home to my wife and child, watch Netflix at the end of the month. I take my salary. Nobody will talk about you. Tell somebody, nobody will talk about you. Tell the person, go at nine o'clock. Grind till five. Go home. Eat. Watch Netflix. Sleep. Nobody will talk about you. Do you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> when we're about to start the Lord Randolph, your biggest battle will be against the church. He said the pastors will kill you. <laughs> they will crucify you. I tell you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, bro. Makuda skinny vata. If I was do my God. Bishop, if I was doing my 9-8, oh. Oh. Come home. Watch Netflix. Eat. Sleep. Oh. What are you talking about? Peace. In this place, you don't come and do 9-8 and go and watch Netflix. Not in this house. Ha! This is the place where you feel bad for doing nothing. In this church. Oh, Makura Basataya. You feel bad for resting for two hours doing nothing. We are come to come to a place, even when you sleep for two hours, you say, what am I doing wrong? I tell you, we are come to a place, when you rest for two hours, you are like, gosh, I could have taken a territory, souls. <laughs> so now let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 58. 
Paul is saying that. Stand firm. Tell somebody stand firm. Stand firm. Tell the person what is coming is heavy. Stand firm. Listen, let me tell you, we will take London. Oh, Makura, Vata, Nimava. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Listen, listen. We will take this city. And listen, you take a city by battle. You take a city by being aggressive. The Bible says that since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God, heaven, it suffers violence and the violence taken by... Listen, Jesus said that how can you go into the house of a strong man and take what is yours? What is yours? It means that even what is yours is guarded by a strong man. Oh. What are you saying? He said, how can you go? He said that you must first bind him hand and foot. You don't take territories by negotiation. Did you hear what I said? We don't take territories by what? Negotiation. That is why as people with the ox anointing and the ox mentality, you see, the ox, the reason why the ox come, the ox is imposing, the ox is strong. You see, the ox is, 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 is fearful. The horns of the ox, the, the calf of the, you know, when you read the book of Ezekiel, the chapter number one, when you come to the verse number 10, when he begins to talk about the four living creatures, he talks about the fact that their souls, you know, their feet is like that of a calf, you know. It talks about stability. Because what will push you, if you are not stable, you are, you are in trouble. And that is why in Ephesians, the chapter number six, he said that after you stand, you've got to stand. When they hit you, you must stand. You must constantly stand. And that is why, you know, in us operating in the ox anointing, we need spiritual stamina and capacity. Hey, this year you eat the fasting, now your mother will be crying. Your mother says, Where is my daughter? You tell mama, I'm eating a little bit of the fasting. Because where I'm going, I need, tell somebody I need stamina. Oh, tell somebody where I'm going. I need stamina. You know, when you read, when you read, when you read Matthew 16, when Jesus, from the verse number 13 downwards, when Jesus now, you know, from 17, he begins to talk about the fact that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And the Bible says that he made that statement at a place called Caesarea Philippi. According to history, they believe that in Caesarea Philippi, that is where the mouth or the gate of hell was physically. I listen to what I'm trying to say. They believe that in Caesarea Philippi, the gate of hell, the mouth of the gate of hell, physically in the whole world, was actually at that place. And that was the very place. The place where they thought that the biggest opposition was. That was the very place that Jesus stood and said, I'll build my church there. It means that, listen, we will take the church to every... Listen, we will take the church to Afghanistan. We will take it to Iran. We will take it to Iraq. We will bring it to a Muslim neighborhood. We will bring it to a Jewish neighborhood. We will not build church in places that are peaceful. Jesus declared he will build his church in the very place that is believed that, you know, that the gate of hell exists. Do you know why? Because the church is not weak. Oh, Makaya, you didn't hear what I said. I said, the church is not weak. We are not a witch bunch of people that are pitiful. Listen, we, listen, people have actually created an impression that the church is a weak institution. There were things they used to say that 
some people are even as poor as a church mouse. Have you heard it before? Because they believe that there was no bread in church. So when the mice, the mice at church or the mouses in church, they were always skinny because there's no bread for them to eat. So they say people are as poor as a church mouse because there's no bread to feed the mouse. Listen, we will shift that ideology. That saying will be canceled. Do you know what I said? Because there will be so much bread, not to just feed mouths here, we will feed crocodiles and alligators. Oh, Makuda, Basata. You didn't hear what? I said we will not just, we will, we will feed crocodiles in the church. We will feed elephants in the church. Oh, Makali, this satire. The Bible talks of Jesus. He said, a thousand cattle upon the hills are mine. He said, the silver is mine. Listen, in this church, we will not just teach you how to fast. We will not just teach you how to pray. We will teach you how to make money. Hey, listen, people in this church, by the age you are 45, you will retire. Oh, I said you will retire. Listen, you would give the best part of your years to serving God and not have money to worry about. Listen, I was telling people, look, we are going to teach you about money. We are going to teach you about shares. We are going to teach you about stocks. We'll teach you about trading. We'll teach you about investment. We will teach you. 45, you have to retire. 30. Those of you that are 22, 30, you retire. Listen, listen, listen. At 30 years, you should be thinking of where can I go on missions? Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? Some of you, at 30 years, you should be thinking of where, where, where is God sending me? You're not thinking of how much I will earn in a year. Because, listen, because at 30, you've bought almost about 15 houses. Oh, they didn't say amen. I said you've bought 15 houses. You have, you know, a turnover of almost $1 billion in your account. Are you here at all? And above all, you know how to speak in tongues. Oh, could have satire. Are you here at all? You carry revelation in your mouth. And apart from all the money, when the devil sees you, he's afraid because in your mouth there is fire, in your hands there is a sword, and in your legs there is a cow's feet. Receive stability. Oh, we will change the narrative. Guys. This guy sitting in front of you, he doesn't sleep. The vision is massive. Oh! You think you're coming to sit here and sing some two slow songs and dance five minutes and go home? You think that's why you are here? We are people that are going to take territories. I said we will be one of the first churches in this country to buy a city. Oh. Oh. Am I speaking sincere? And listen, let me tell you the truth. I'm not making you excited. I mean everything I'm telling you. Listen, we will not limit our God. Our God is limitless. Oh, God, He said, ask of me. You that is asking of, of what? You're asking for what? A job. Oh, you're asking for something small. In some two, he said that you ask of me. And I'll give you the nations as your word. And the ends of the earth as your word. Listen, we will not relax until we possess the ends of the earth. The Bible says that the knowledge of the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Listen, we will preach to people, finish preaching, and go to the sea and preach to fishes. Oh, Karaba Sun Tali Vata. You see Nelson on the beach. And you're wondering, he's speaking to fishes. 
And you'll be wondering why. Because he has preached to every human being. Oh, do you know that all creation have ears? Do you know that fishes can hear the gospel? Psalm 11, the Bible says that what happens? The Bible says the heavens what declares the glory of God. The firmament declares his handiwork. Day after day, they utter speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. When I hit, anytime I sit in plain, I hit the heavens. I say, you heavens, you hear the voice of God. You have ears. You can. Why would Joshua command the heavens? How can Joshua command something that don't have ears? Listen, we will preach to trees. When we are finished taking the city, we now start preaching to trees. <laughs> I know some of you are looking like me like, which church am I in? <laughs> and who is this guy sitting in front of me? <laughs> oh, Laba Satayaba. Listen, God gave man, the first thing God gave man was to take dominion. Not over man. God did not give man permission to dominate man. Human domination is not the concept of the kingdom. It's a demonic concept. But God gave man power and authority to dominate the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all creations, the tree, the land. So we have to get to a place where, you know, we, we tell these people and we tell all of these things what to do. And that is why, you know, we have to be people that are very, very, very much spiritually aware and conscious. Listen, how well and how much you know of God will determine how much you know of your calling. You're not raising lazy place people here. So he says that, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I've not forgotten. He said that you have to what? Stand firm. Let nothing move you. And then he says that always give yourselves fully. Give yourself what? Oh, tell somebody fully. Tell somebody, give yourself fully to the work of what? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Number one, you have to labor in the Lord. The good thing is that the labor will not be in vain. Listen, if you are not laboring in God, you are wasting time. If you are not a laborer in the kingdom, you are useless. If you, all you know is to pray and to worship, but you don't have a part of you that is laboring in the kingdom, you are like matter. You are just weight and you are occupying space. Hello? Hello? Am I speaking sense here? He said you have to stand firm. You need to be unmovable. And he says that you've got to give yourself fully to the work of God. Listen, let me tell you, the work of God is not a part-time job. Hello? Let me tell you, full-time ministry does not mean you stopped work. There's nothing called part-time ministry in the kingdom. Whatever you are serving, that's what the Bible says, that whatever your hands find to do, do it well. So in the ministry, not the people who have quit their jobs, Bridget, are in full time. So you say, oh, my pastor is in full time ministry. That means he doesn't work. All you do is that the work of God. No, 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 no. We are all called to do full time ministry. The difference is that our places of ministry are different. Am I speaking sense here? Because he said that give yourselves fully. Is it on the board? He said give yourself what? Fully. 
If somebody says give yourself fully, it means you are full. They didn't say give your part-time to God. Some of you serve God on a part-time basis. You work for God on a part-time basis. You know, you know what part-time job is? When you don't have anything to do and you want something to occupy your time, you get a part-time job. Is that not the case? So you don't serve God on a part-time level. You serve God on a full-time basis. Paul is saying that you give yourself fully to the work of God and he says that by you doing this, he said your labor, say your labor. Say your labor. Will not be what? In vain. So that means that you've got to labor. Ask somebody in 2020 so far, February has ended. What has been your labor in the kingdom? Ask somebody for me. Oh, get an answer from the person. Ask the person, what is your labor so far? Ask the person, are you laboring? Now, ask the person, is it fully or part-time? <laughs> it is a full-time thing. Tell somebody it's a full-time thing. I want to read something to you. Let's go to the book of First Kings, the chapter number 19. I want to talk about something about briefly for ministry. Are you being blessed here at all? Say fully. Say fully. Wonderful. Come with me to the book of First Kings 19. Now, I'll speak on revival. And when I'm speaking on revival, I will deal with this chapter in total. Okay? In total simply means in detail, in depth. I'll deal with this. But I just want to touch on something. Last week, we left here speaking about the fact that the fire has to be shared. How many of you prayed for seven people? How many of you did it? It was so weird. I'll just call somebody and start and after we've prayed, they'll call me back and say, is everything okay? How many of you got, is everything okay? Because, you see, because prayer has become an irres a response to emergency. So when you call somebody and say, Karu, skinny, vataya. Now, I called my mom. We were on the phone just for 30 minutes, tongues. When she finished, she said, Kwame, BBI, okay. I mean, Kwame, is everything okay? I said, yes, mom. She said, are you sure? I said, yes. She said, if there's anything, you know you can tell me. I said, mommy, there's nothing. She said, are you sure there is nothing? You know, even if there is something, God has already fixed it. I said, lady, there is nothing. <laughs> Because she knows when you call and say, let us pray. She's probably thinking, Charlie, I've gotten some revelation about somebody coming to die. Charlie. <laughs> so prayer has become a response to emergency. Listen, we'll not, listen, we'll not even give the devil room to cause emergency for us to pray. Yes. Oh, did you hear what I said? Yes. When we are happy, we'll pray. When we are sad, we will pray. When we are eating, we will pray. Even when we sleep, when we are dreaming, we'll be speaking tongues in our dream. Oh, karaba satana mava. There are times I'll pray in the dream, I'll hear myself speaking tongues. I wake up like, oh, Charlie, these tongues, I was actually <laughs> Oh, my God. The word of God is sweet, though. Come with me to 1 Kings 19. Verse 14. I'll break this down later a little bit. But this is Elijah complaining. He said, I'm reading from 14. And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of us, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, 
Kill your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. They seek to take my life. 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael or Hazael as king over Syria. Say king. Now you shall also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Say king. And Elijah, the son of Saphat, of Abel Mehola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. This is interesting. Elijah is a one man thousand. The last man standing. Now Elijah is complaining and God said, I'm going to take you. But before I take you, there are some things you've got to do for me. He said, you take the horn of oil, return on your way to Damascus. And when you get there, you've got to anoint for me three people. Anoint for me Hazael, anoint for me Jehu, and then anoint for me Elisha. Now guess what? The anointing was going to go into three proportions. But out of the three proportions of the anointing, two were going for kings. Only one went for a prophet. You did not hear what I said. Listen. He said, verse number 15. You, when you return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king of Assyria. You shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So that means that the oil that was in Elijah, that God was sending Elijah to anoint these men to carry on the work and the mantle, two of those oil were not going to anoint priests. Two of those oil were going to anoint kings and one of that oil was only going to anoint a prophet. What it tells you that you see, when I'm talking about you laboring for God and when I'm talking about us in this season, big people that are working for the kingdom don't have the mindset that working for God is only when you come to church to usher, sing in the choir or hold a microphone. Are you here? Are you here? So he tells Elijah, you anoint for me two kings, one prophet. We need more kings than prophets. Oh, Malaba Kura You know what I said? We need more kings than prophets. It means that you see, when we are talking about working for God, I'm not talking about people that would all come and be ushers and in the choir. We need people that are anointed for parliament. People that are anointed to be CEOs. People that are anointed to be policemen. People that are anointed to be landlords. People that are anointed to be managers. And then we still need people that are anointed to be prophets. The ratio of kings was higher than that of prophets. Because when people think of working for God. Two kings, one prophet. Two kings, one prophet. And this is the reason why ministry is full time. Because when you are in your office, it's ministry. When you are in the bus, it's ministry. When you are on the streets, it's ministry. You don't neglect all of this to come into this place and feel you are in ministry. 
everywhere you find yourself, there is an anointing for that. There is a call for that. There's a responsibility for that. In your college, is your ministry field. In your university, is your ministry field. Are you here at all? If you're an accountant, your accountancy profession is your ministry field. You don't wait to come to church to be effective. Do you know why two kings, one prophet? Because the kingdom is bigger than the church or the building. We can't have two prophets in the church. Is it true? Of course, we can have many. But literally, what I'm trying to say is that the, the world out there is bigger than here. Like I was saying on Sunday, some of you, you have 5,000 people on Instagram. Do you know what it would take for me to organize a crusade to gather 5,000 people in a church? Do you know what it would take? But every day you have 5,000 people on the crusade ground waiting for you. On a place called Instagram. And all you need to, you know how to post this address. Jesse was trending. How many of you saw my bambini trending over the weekday, some two days ago? The way she has polished the face. She's wearing some glasses. Charlie, the girl even posts four pictures. You see, when you have too much pictures, you can't choose. The lady damned about four pictures. When I saw the picture, I said, this is my bambini. That is ministry. Hello? Tell somebody that is ministry. So now imagine Bambini just put something down there. Jesus is Lord. Everybody who reads it have heard Jesus is Lord. They don't need to come to church to hear this. I've told you this story almost about five years ago when they were having the Super Bowl in America. And there's a Christian group that went to buy airtime during the Super Bowl. And they just bought an airtime for just about 10 seconds. And when they were running the adverts, they just pasted it there, John 3.16. According to Google search engine, that day, the highest search thing in America was John 3.16. Because people that saw that advert wanted to go and find out what is that John 3.16. And when they find out, for God so loved the world. So there's this guy, this, this, this um, basketball player, I've forgotten his name. He came on, he was very popular, he was winning... Yeah, and then in, 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 on his footwear, he even placed John 3, 16 there. So everybody who now buys the foot will now, okay, you, you've bought, okay, yeah, whatever, but John, what is that John 3, 16? They'll go and Google it. Just by that, the guy has preached to people without a mic. Listen, if you're waiting for this thing from my hands, you wait for a long time because I'm not dying soon. <laughs> Clap for Jesus here. Yeah. That some of you want me to die so you can handle this. I have so many years in me. <laughs> Am I preaching? You look at me. Do I look like someone who will die soon? <laughs> Prof. Hey, I will, listen. Even on the door of my phone, I'll be preaching. Listen. Me, if I sleep, if you wake me up, I'll preach. <laughs> The preaching is in me. Oh. <laughs> and I am in the preaching. <laughs> am I speaking here? <laughs> so he says that you anoint for me two kings. 
And that is why in this church, we will not just raise preachers, we will raise kings. Oh, listen, we will have a prime minister from this church. Oh, you did not hear what I said we will have. Oh, listen, listen, I've told you, if Elon Musk thinks he's rich, let him, let him give us just two to five years. We'll have somebody who will tweet about it. Somebody from us will just tweet the whole world will go a wall. Oh, Masa, who told you Christianity means be poor? When it says they're poor in, in spirit, you know, they would inherit the earth. He's not talking about poverty, spiritual, physical poverty. So, when we are talking about the fact that you need to labor for God, the reason why I took you to 1 Kings 19 is to tell you that the labor field is massive. You see people fighting in the choir. They want to be, you see people fighting in the, you know, usher everybody. Because everybody is looking for a space here to be relevant. You are fighting here. There's a bigger well there. There's a bigger pulpit in your neighborhood. There's a bigger pulpit in your college. You know, you people did something you don't know, but it, 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 was, it was very, there was a Sunday you people came here. I and my wife were going home and patients saw on, on, on Facebook. That right after church, when you left here, you and your wife just went to that corner with something you were preaching. I saw it. I was like, wow. They finished church, went straight to the place, and they were preaching. Because they don't need this mic. Ministry is everywhere. The Bible says, labor fully. Tell somebody, labor fully. Do you know why? Because increase only comes by labor. Do you think that if, you know, I don't do certain things and don't put certain things in place, we will be where we are? No. It comes with a lot of work. What people see and applaud, they don't know the work that goes on behind. And that's why I tell people, listen, when you see somebody doing well, don't just sit somewhere and talk nonsense. Some people just know how to talk nonsense. Do you know what we are going through? Do you know the price we are paying? I gave you people some timelines of where we are I'm coming from. Yo, listen. This guy does not jump on the scene last year. We've been in that game for a long, long time. It's a long time. <laughs> Tell somebody it's a long time. labor and you see someone you talk foolishness we've just decided we'll not give our ears to what people say but listen when you see something working somebody is working if you see something working somebody is and you sit there and be an be be a pundit be an analyzer be then be talking Every second you are talking, somebody has occupied space. Every second you are sitting there and you are talking, the devil is taking territories. Listen, we have to come to the place where we applaud people who work. And not castigate them and bring them down. Because you, you will not do it. And if somebody is doing it, you talk. Kassa. Pale, pale, pale. 
The Bible says, your labor, I've told you people, grace will take us to heaven. But your seat depends on your labor. Oh, yeah, yeah. We will not, it's not our works that will take us to heaven. But when you get to heaven, your work will show you where you sit. And I say this thing all the time. You actually think that you qualify to sit with Peter. Are you serious? You want to come here, come to church three hours, go home and sleep, eat, drink, do nothing. And you wonder when you go to heaven, where Peter is sitting, you know, God will put you there. What, did, what have you done to merit it? And that's what the Bible is saying that your labor will not be in vain. Therefore, you must have what we call a labor. Listen, if your life, if every ounce of your sweat is counted nothing for the kingdom, you are non-existent. People are going to Syria, dying. People are traveling with the gospel. Last year, last two years, no, it was last two years, there was this guy who went into one of these hinterlands, took a boat, crossed over to go and preach. How many of you heard that story? And they pierced him with sword, they, with, with, with spear and javelin. Did you hear that story? That he was running. And when they were even throwing this spear and javelin, the guy was, I'm not talking about Peter and Co. I'm talking about Peter two years ago. And you think, you can hear, stay in church, and be gossiping, do nothing, tithe, offering, you will not pay. When we need people to come and work, you will not work. And you think that if grace finds you and takes you to heaven, you deserve to sit with where this guy is. Oh, let me tell you, some of you in heaven, you'll be in the kitchen. Oh. Some of you will be mopping floors in heaven. When, when, when some of us are with Paul and Cole, we are drinking our orange juice. I'll see this guy come. Oh, who is this? Ah, I know this girl in KSU. Is this Bernice? Bernice, are you cleaning here? <laughs> Bernice, are you a cleaner here? Makuna Mavatanye. Ha, listen, 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 listen. Until, you see, if you want to rest, there is a lot of rest when you die. There's a reason why when you die, we tell you rest in peace. But here, we are not here to rest. Listen, listen. Imagine if everybody in the kingdom had this mindset. Imagine the territory the church would take. He says that much increase comes through the strength of an ox. Because the ox is ready to always plow the ground for harvest. Without sowing, without plowing, there is no harvest. How long have you been a Christian? Tell me. Are you not ashamed of yourself? How long have you been a Christian? Tell me, what works do you have? There are times that even the things that you are doing in church is for what you gain. Where is your labor? 
The Bible says right of those that have died in the Lord. He said, yea, right of them. That they would rest and their labor shall follow them. On the day of judgment, some people, their labor will be articulators. You see jets of their works behind them. And you, a toy car. A toy car. A toy car will be following you. Even, even your finger can't enter the toy car. And God will tell you, your 35 years of 40 years, your 70 years of living. I mean, imagine somebody who has been a Christian for 20 years with nothing to show. Hey, listen. When my grandmother died, eh, let me tell you a true story. Let me tell you a true story. Am I teaching you? That's why I told you this place is not love, peace, joy, kissing. You know. I'm not here. This is not a nursery center. Okay? This is a place that we preach to and he said, this is a hard word. When I was growing up, oh, I'll see you a lady. Praying for hours. What is this woman doing? Those times, listen, my grandmother is a hustler. We'll be there chewing there. You people don't know, but in Ghana, we have something called amane. Amane is the dried fish. We'll be chewing the amane and tins. Then my grandmother will carry the dead. In Ghana, we don't, give, we don't give dead chicken. We give live chicken. My grandmother will carry three live chickens. Bag of rice oil. We'll carry it on her, on her, on her shoulder. We'll take it to her pastor. We'll say, ah, until you are wicked. We are here. You know, my, our mother is in Europe. And they, look at what you are doing to us. And you carry this thing. She said, when you grow, you understand. An evangelist who came into the city. There was a powerful evangelist from the Apostolic Church of Ghana. He was called Yaapov. The, the guy was the first time I saw a blind eyes open. I saw people walking out of wheelchairs. I was seven to eight years. This guy would travel from village to village. The man got to a city in Kumasi. My grandma told the evangelist, come and live in my house. At that time, the evangelist, they would travel in the big van with about eight people. Brought this man to a house. My grandmother would feed them morning, night, evening. In the evening when they are going to the crusade grounds, we will go with them. They did a whole week crusade. Powerful miracles. I was seven or eight years. I remember this vividly. On the last day when they was about to leave, I went to the evangelist and said, uh, I want to follow you. He said, Randolph. He used to call me Soa. He said, Soa, you are too young. You have to go to school. We can't take you. But because of what your grandmother has done, God will use you to preach all over the world. I was seven. Oh! But we hear churches building. Oh, my grandmother would take money. When my grandma, the day I came to Holland, I went to a place in Holland called the Hilda. Then Helda, it's, it's an island in Holland. I went there, we're doing a ritual, I was praying, and angel of the Lord came and said, Randolph, do you know there are people play, praying on the mountains? I said, yes, Lord. He said, listen, the anointing I've given you, you do not pray for it. You do not ask for it. The only reason why I called you and I gave you the anointing is the covenant I had with your grandmother that I'll call people from his lineage. He said, what I'm giving you, you don't deserve it. But because of this woman's sacrifice, I said, yes, Lord. The day I got ordained, my grandmother called me and she was crying. She said, Randolph, I remember everything I told God. Guess what? She never saw me with a microphone. She died. When my grandmother died, I went to Ghana for us to go and bury her. I was there in the night. Listen, the spiritual realm is real. I was in this room with my mom. 
in my grandmother's house. There was this midnight. I felt a shiver. I felt like it was a cold place. So I woke up and I went to my mother's room. When I went, my mother was sitting on the bed. My mother said, Randolph, I'm feeling very cold like I'm in a fridge. I said, ah, mommy, but I'm also feeling very cold like in a fridge. She said, auntie came here. So you know, my grandma had not been buried at that time. And because she was in the refrigerator, the aura she carried about, you know, around herself was a cold one. And don't forget when Jesus died, he walked on the face of the earth for 40 days before he went up. Now listen to what I'm trying to say. That night I sleep and I have a dream. In the dream, I see my grandmother wearing white, white. And I ask her, I used to call her auntie. I said, auntie, where are you going? She said, I am going to the church I built for God. I didn't understand. When we buried her, we went for Thanksgiving service on a Sunday. When we got there on the Sunday, you see, when they build a church, they put a plaque. You know what a plaque is? You know that thing they put in front of a church when they say building, they dedicate and say, Her Excellency, the Queen of Elizabeth of England, dedicated. When I went there, there was a plaque, and the plaque was all the people that have contributed to the building of the church. And the top three people on the list, my grandmother's name was it. And we did not know she was giving a penny to building the church of God. So in the dream, she was telling me that I am going to the house I built for God. What is it? What's the house she built for God? Here on earth, she's dead. She cannot come to the church, but it means that she has acquired a mansion in heaven. Am I speaking to somebody here? And that is why when we are doing the work of God, we do it crazy. When we are giving, we give crazy. It is not because we are people without hope or we know what we are doing. Because the Bible tells us that our labor will not be in vain. You think we are doing this thing in vain? Some of you are coming from work. You are tired. You think that you're sitting here is in vain? Then we are better off staying home, getting a popcorn and a Coca-Cola and watch Netflix. At least we'll gain some calories in our life. Listen, you've got to be mad for working for God. I'm telling you. And listen, you don't know what you are laying down for your generations on board. And not just here. When we get to heaven, you don't know what that will mean for you. Why do we need to work? Why do we need to labor? Why? Because the kingdom of God begins as a seed. Matthew 13, 31. Give it to me. Matthew 13, 31. Quickly. The kingdom of God begins like a seed. He told them another parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Say a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like what? And it's like what? How many of you have seen a mustard seed before? How small it is. Tiny. Hey, the biggest thing in this, in this realm, spiritually or physically, is the kingdom of God. Oh, that's one. That's one. God's kingdom is massive. Tell somebody God's kingdom is massive. But it says that, listen, the kingdom of God, heaven, is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in, a, in his field. Continue. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, 
It is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. You people sitting here started as a seed in my mind. It started as a command in my mind. I could have chosen to sleep. And all it would remain is a seed in my mind. Listen, a dream would only remain a dream but would never materialize until you get up and work. Listen, let me give you a prophecy and say you are going to be a billionaire, a millionaire, a trillionaire. You sleep, you'll be poor as a pauper. Am I speaking? Let me tell you, you'll be great. Sleep. Nobody sleeps and woke up great. So if in the kingdom of God, Begins as a seed. You know, you have to know when what you carry is a seed or a fruit. Some of you, listen, fruits are to be eaten. Seeds are supposed to be sown. Some of you are eating your seeds like fruit. You do not hear me. You need to know when what is in your hands is a seed or a fruit. Most of the time, the seed is in the fruit. But if you eat the seed, all you had was one fruit. But Jesus said, except a grain of corn falls to the down, ground and dies. It abides alone. But it falls to the ground and it dies. He said that it comes out as a harvest, much fruit and all of that. You see, sometimes you could hold a hundred dollar. And that hundred dollar it's not the fruit, it's a seed. If you plant it, you are going to end up with one billion. If you eat it, all you had was hundred dollars. Am I making sense here? Listen, listen. You cannot be hearing these messages at this your age and feel in life. Oh my God, you do not hear me. I say you can't hear these messages at this age of your life and fail. We don't eat seeds, so we plant them. We sow them. The reason why we need to work is because the kingdom of God does not present itself as a mountain. The kingdom of God always presents itself as a seed. Look at Jesus. He came as a solo artist. Called just 12 people. I bet people were laughing. By the time they realized that 12 people were gathering 5,000 women, preaching to them. And all of a sudden, he goes 12 people. And one person out of the 12 now stands the place. And 3,000 people come to God. And now, one goes to Samaria and takes the whole city. And one goes to Ephesus and takes the whole city. It started with one man walking solo. Discipling 12 people. And then going to take. Listen, do not despise what we are doing here. A time is coming. I'll be sat in my office. It will be heard. It will be written. They say, hey, pastor, have you heard Henry? Henry has taken 30 million people for God. And then you hear, hey, pastor, have you heard Kweku? Kweku has taken 50 million. And then you hear that, oh, pastor, have you heard Elliot? Elliot has traveled and has taken 1 billion people. And then you hear, have you heard Obed? Obed have gone to take other 5 billion. Listen, it started as a seed, a small meeting, a small gathering. Just 10 people. But because they were willing to work, the seed, when it grows, it becomes the biggest of trees. And that's why the Bible says, don't despise small beginnings. 
That is seed. For a seed to multiply, it must be planted. It must be watered. It must be pruned. It must be tailed. It must go through a whole lot of phases before it becomes a tree and begin to produce fruit. If you're not willing to work the seed, all you have is a seed. If we are not willing to work for the kingdom, all we have is the one we have we are complaining about. You see, there comes to a season, listen, let us stop complaining about what our fathers didn't do right. What are we doing? Some of you know all the things the church have done wrongly. You become a pundit, an analyst. You are sitting on CNN. You are, you are a pundit. You can orally tell us all that is wrong. What are you doing? As long as the true prophet remains silent, the false prophet will take the news. Oh, they are talking about a false prophet. Let a true one emerge. Let's tell the queen that says the Lord. In the next five years, this will happen. And let the queen see it happen. She will come to church on Sundays. The kingdom begins as a seed. And the seed must go through the process. There must be a gardener willing to work it for it to become. And he says that you see, even though the, you know, the, 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 what's the name of that tree again? Is, is it fake? It's not, is it fake? He said that even though it is the least, when it grows, it becomes the mightiest. Listen, mustard seed, yes. Let me tell you, listen, some of you, God have just told you something in your ears. You know what? Jeff Bezos started Amazon in his garage. The guy don't even know how many employees he have in the world now. Somebody have said, oh yeah, but it's just selling book in the garage, whatever. Let me go and look for a job. Oh, don't despise seeds. The people who would despise seeds are the people who lack the culture of work. Oh, listen, I work hard. This church, then I work hard. You don't know. Yesterday I was here. I got home at 11. I've been here in the morning. I work hard. Because, you see, I tell people, I just don't want growth. You can grow. It does not mean you've grown right. I don't want it to be though. KAC has numbers. What is the essence of having numbers when it's not growing right? People who are obese are growing. Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? But they are growing in the wrong places. You can grow and then all of a sudden you, you are, you've grown on the top but you are empty below. So in order to make sure that we don't just grow, I've got to make sure we grow right. And for things to not grow right, you have to dare to prune, to weed, to cut, to nurture, to tail, and to do all the right things. So it's not just numbers. I've told you that quality would always seek to multiply itself. The cardinal aim of quality is to multiply itself. However, quality says that the, his biggest enemy is quantity. I just don't want to go, oh, yeah, oh, they've grown, there are people in the church. What are the people in the church accounting for? If all we have is people in the church with no impact. Listen, the devil does not care if we feel Wembley. As long as we don't torture him, he doesn't care. 
The enemy can give us 20,000 people. He can let us feel Wembley. As long as we are impactless, our gathering means nothing. And the problem is that we are having people. You see, so sometimes people come, oh, it's, but it's a big church. It's 5,000 people. It's 10. What are they doing? John Wesley said, just give me 100 people who know how to pray and hate sin. He said, I'll take over the world. Over here, we are raising people that will take over the world. I said we are raising people that will take over the world. You go into the financial sector, you take it. Political, you take it. Economical, you take it. Entertainment, you take it. Listen, we will let people stop listening to Beyonce. Oh, Makuda Basataya. What are you telling me? We will let them know that there is nothing to listen there. You come to the family, we are the one who are succeeding in marriages. Anoint two kings, one prophet. In this church, we will not just anoint prophets. We will anoint kings. We will anoint prime ministers. We will anoint territory takers. Listen, in order for the kingdom to grow, people must be willing to work. Listen, you are the hands of God. You are the legs of God. If you don't move, God don't move. Did you hear what I said? If you don't move, God Nobody has seen God hanging at Tottenham Hill preaching. God has preached through people like Benny Hinn, Ranai Bonke, Emmy McPherson, Catherine Kuman, Smith Wigglesworth. What is stopping you from letting God speak through you? You are the hands of God. He said in the book of uh, Jeremiah, he said, you are my battle axe. Listen. Until you become useful, be uncomfortable. Until you become useful, be what? When you sit there for two hours doing nothing for the kingdom, just say, why am I wasting time? Why am I wasting time? Why am I wasting time? Say work. Say plow. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 3.9 and then I'll end somewhere and we'll continue on Sunday. Is it, is it a good teaching? Oh, I, I, is it a good teaching? Pastor, you not come here and come and sing all other gods and dance and go home. If you do, I'll ban singing and dancing here. First Corinthians 3.9 Let us read together. One to go. Again, we are God's what? We are his what? We are his what? Tell somebody you are God's fellow worker. Oh, what a privilege to be God's fellow worker. You know what? It means that me and God, we are colleagues. In the kingdom, me and God. He's my father, but in the kingdom, we are colleagues. He said, you're fellow. Your fellow workers. You are God's fellow workers. And you are God's field. Do you know why you are God's field? Because God has invested his seed in you. Oh, why are you wasting the anointing? Why are you wasting God's investment? You are a field. Do you know why you are field? In the book of Genesis, the chapter number two, the Bible says he breathed himself into you. That was his seed he placed in you. You carry God. 
You are sealed. He says that you are also his building. The Bible says that know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in you. Why are you wasting it? Oh, oh, why? Bridget, can you imagine? You are his fellow worker. You are his field of investment. Can you imagine? And then you are his building. That's why I said you are the hands of God. You are the legs of God. You are the mouth of God. If you don't speak, God can speak. Sometimes you are passing. God is saying, talk to that person. You are his building. You say, no, I've locked the building. I'm not talking. Speak in tongues for 30 seconds. Audrey, fast. Speak in tongues for 30 seconds and let me finish this. Tell the Lord, Father, raise up the culture of work in me. Just, just pray with me for just one minute. I want to show you one last scripture and then I will end it. Elia, you are God's field. It means he has sold in you. It means you are God's investment, Piero. People are buying shares in Amazon. God has bought shares in your life. And he's saying when your value increases, I will have a profit. What a privilege. It means that God considers you as a company that is worth investing in. And listen, this is why it bleeds my heart when I see people wasting time in church. Look at this beautiful thing. Give me Isaiah the chapter number 6. Let's read from verse 1 to 8. Very interesting. In the year King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, highly and exalted, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let's go. Above him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two, hey, Bambi, Bambi, go back. Okay, he said that with six wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Now remember, Isaiah is in the place of fellowship. He's in a place of intimacy. He is with God. God is showing him amazing things. It's just like Peter, James, and John, Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, you know, and there were two were flying. Verse number three, continue. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The verse number four, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. The glory, talks about the glory. Woe to me, I cried, I am man. I am a man, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. It's the eagle eye. And the Lord Almighty, the verse number six, continue. That 
one of the seraphims flew to me with a life coal in his hand which he had taken with tongues from the altar verse number seven when it he touched my mouth and said see this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away from your sin and your sin atoned for the verse number eight then i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send and whom will go for me and i said here i am send me one isaiah was at the place of intimacy God was not looking for him to remain. He was looking for him to send. After the calling, there's a sending. The sending is the sending to go and represent God. That is where the concept of you becoming an ambassador is. Look, imagine of all the things Isaiah saw, God didn't say, stay here. Sleep here. Just be here. Just enjoy my presence. After all the glory he said, the other thing he heard is that, whom should I send? In other words, who is willing to work for me? Who is willing to go for me? Intimacy is not an excuse to be idle. If your intimacy is not bringing you of a place where you have a burden to work for God, you see, when you've really encountered God, you want everybody to encounter him. When you've really seen God, you want everybody to see God. Listen, nobody sees something which is good and goes silent on it. So after all, listen, listen, listen. What is the essence of all your revelations? Tell me. Somebody with just a few revelations with a work ethic is value or worth much more in the kingdom than you who just hold revelation. You can tell us eschatology, you know, dreamology and all the logis. But what's the point? The Bible says even knowledge can puff up. It's not about how much revelation you have. But after the revelation, what happens? We have a generation that can talk big, but they work less. Break down scripture. Talk big. Let us come when we need people to go and work. You don't find them. Listen. If Paul and Peter and those people had not worked. Oh, I watched a video. Where somewhere in Asia, they brought Bibles to certain people. I don't know if you've seen it. But this is the video that was trending. You see, these people got the Bible and they were crying. They were crying. They were weeping. Because they've never seen Bible before. And the Bible has been banned in their country. And some people could for the first time get them Bibles. And sometimes I'm wondering, we have NIV, New King James. We have Amplified. We have this. We have that. And what are we doing with it? You can buy a Bible. What's the point? He said, you are his co-laborer. You are his field. You are his building. Isaiah sees all of this and God is literally saying, whom shall I send? Can you imagine? This is God in need. Oh, did you hear what I said? This is God. If God is saying, whom shall I send? It means the boss is looking for people. He can't find any. Guess what? Isaiah was not a holy man. Do you know why Isaiah was not a holy man? Because he said, I even dwell with people with unclean lips. And even me, my lips is unclean. 
but God is willing to use a man who is unclean, who is willing to move, that the one who claims to be consecrated, but is unmovable. That is why some of you will sit in church all your life and that drunkard, prostitute friend of yours will come for two weeks and is a preacher on the streets. And sometimes you're wondering, we've been in church all this while and why did this one just come? Because yes, you were consecrated for nothing. It's not the man with the ability. It's the one who is available. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. I hope that be your prayer tonight. Lift up, baby. Lift it. We are going to pray. Father, I don't know too much, but here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Lift up your hand. Here I am is your prayer topic. Start speaking. Here I am. 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 Are you praying? After all the revelations you've got to say, here I am. God is looking for people. God is looking for people. God is looking for people who have the mind to work. Oh, on Sunday we would go even deeper. On Sunday we would go even deeper. Here I am. Here I am. Come on. You don't need to be perfect. Just say here I am. If he can use donkeys, you are more than enough. You don't need a Bible school. Just say here I am. You don't need too much knowledge. Just say here I am. Elijah said here I am. Listen, I've never been to a Bible school. I don't know too much. But all I had was telling God I am available. I don't know too much. But if anything God knows he can count on is my availability. God knows. God knows I'm not the most anointed. I don't know I'm not the best preacher. But I'm available. Here I am. Here I am. Are you praying at all? Are you praying at all? Here I am. 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 Pray. Pray. Here I am. Pray. Here I am. 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 Pray, pray. 
today, I want you to have a burden for the heart of God. I want you to be broken and crying. Not because you've sinned, but you want to do more for God. Come on. Here I am. I want people who are uncomfortable. They look at themselves and they feel like we've done nothing. Here I am. You weep at the altar. You weep in your seat. And you tell God, here I am. Father, I want my life to mean so much to you. Here I am. Oh, Father, Father, I'm not the most gifted, but Father, here I am. Father, you know, you know. Father, you know. You know the heart of your son, Father. You know. You know I will let everything go just, just, to, just to make you happy. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Pray, 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 pray. You don't, you don't need to be anointed. You don't need to be gifted. You don't need too much book knowledge. You don't need too much revelation. Just say, here I am. Pray. Here I am. Here I am. Send me, send me, send me, send me, Lord. Send me, use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me, here I am. Send me, here I am. Tell the Lord, here I am. Father, if you need a mouth, I'm available. If you need a hand, I'm available. Here I am. The kingdom of God is a seed. He wants people that would turn it into a tree. Here I am. He wants people that can turn the seed into a tree. Here I am. He wants people that can turn the seed into a tree. Here I am. 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 If it means I will lose two hours of sleep, here I am. If it means I will lose my food for a day, here I am. 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 Oh, Kara. Robosaya. Gideon said, I am the least in my father's house. And my father's house is the least. The Lord said, he said, the Lord said, nevertheless, Gideon, I would use you. I would use you. It's not about the one who's strong. It's the one who is available. Here I am. Listen. 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 Listen to me. One of the longest revivals that have taken place is the Azusa Street Revival. It lasted for almost about 15 years. It was after a long time the revival that brought out a breaking forth of the Holy Ghost. The guy God used to pioneer that revival was not speaking in tongues. Are you listening to me? The guy God used to pioneer the Azusa Street Revival one of the things that Azusa Street Revival was notable of was the speaking of tongues. It was just like in the books of the people 
There was a church that he went to preaching about the speaking of tongues. He came the next day. They had locked the church with padlock and said, we'll not let you enter in. Are you mad? You talk about speaking in tongues. You can't even speak in tongues. There are certain people invited him and said, you know what? Just come to our house. The guy went there. He was still preaching that sermon. All of a sudden, people started bursting out in tongues. There are almost about three people that spoke before he ever spoke. God did not choose people who speak in tongues to release tongues. There was a man who did not even speak in tongues. But because he was available, God was using him to pioneer a move. Listen, you don't need to be the most gifted. You don't need to be the most anointed. You don't need to be the most knowledgeable. All you need to say is, here I am. Lift up your voice and say, Lord, here I am. 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 I give you all of me. I give you all. I give you all I give you all Apologies for the time I don't even stay beyond 9.45 But I give you all I give you all If you want to see a revival We have to be willing to give God Just some extra 30 minutes of our time I give you all Lift up your hand. I give you all. Sing it like you mean it, not because I lifted it. I give you all. Let me hear it as a prayer. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all. Oh, I give you all. My mind, my soul, I give you all. I give you my time. I give you all. I give you my body, Lord. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all. Oh, I give you all So I give myself away Oh Sing it like a prayer Declare it Oh, who would make this seed into a tree? Declare it. Declare it again. I give myself. I see God touching people. I see God touching people right now.
myself away. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Spirit. So I give you Declare it. Declare it. My heart, my soul, my mind. Lord, I wonder. Take it all, Jesus. If you really want to surrender, lift up your hand. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. We pray you were blessed. Please follow Pastor Randolph on all social media platforms. We also invite you to fellowship with us here at Kingdom Ambassador Centre on Sunday mornings from 11am at Unit 21 Millmead Business Centre, Millmead Road, N17 9QU in Tottenham Hale, London. Our services are also live-streamed on Sundays at 11am on our KAC Network YouTube page. We hope to see you soon. Shalom and God bless you.